Welcome to the Second in Command podcast, produced by the COO Alliance and brought to you by its founder, Cameron Harold. In the Second in Command podcast, we talk to top COOs who share the insights, strategies, and tactics that made them the chief behind the chief. And now, here's your host, Cameron Harold. Our guest today is Andy Dovgan, the VP of Global Sales for Cratio. Cratio is a global software company providing a lead low-code platform for process management and CRM. The company combines an intuitive low-code platform, best-in-class CRM, and a robust BPM in a single solution to accelerate sales, marketing, service, and operations for mid-size and large enterprises. Andy's a results-driven leader with 15 years of experience in enterprise-level SaaS sales and worldwide business development. He's committed to helping Cratio clients in transforming their businesses to address challenges and grasp opportunities in the digital era. He's highly focused on value delivery and consultative approach to sales and account management. So, uh, Andy, welcome to the Second Command Podcast. Uh, thank you so much. I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased to be here. Yeah, looking forward to um, to learning from you and with you. And um, I got to I got to get a quick question out because I didn't ask even in the pre-show. But your accent is awesome. Loving it. Where where <laughs> where are you from originally? Take a guess. Um, I, I'm gonna guess Croatia. Uh, uh, quite close. So I am, um, I born and raised in, uh, Eastern Europe and Ukraine. Okay. So yeah. Close and, it. uh, yeah, I moved to the, yeah, so I, I, um, I, uh, started my career in Eastern Europe, but then worked a little bit in the UK and moved to the U S in 2015. And, uh, since that time, I, I really in love with the country, really love the country. I, I enjoy, uh, my time staying here, but, uh, also to, uh, to, to, for the full disclosure, I do travel a lot. Actually, pre-COVID, I probably was spending uh, in planes more times than I'm spending at home. My wife was not super happy about that, but now I guess we're enjoying the uh, other side of this of this journey. Why were you traveling so much? Uh, I actually have a global responsibility, right? So I oversee uh, teams in EMEA and APAC. And uh, I also prefer to spend a lot of time with my uh, customers and with one of my partners. And I, I'm a strong believer that even in digital world, you need to find time and you need to share this energy. You need to connect with people. And I just tend to believe that doing that in person is an easier way of doing that. You can do that digitally, of course. And I think that in the previous year, we all learned how to do that much better. But uh, I can't wait for uh, travels to be open uh, again and uh, connect with my customers and connect with my teams and share more, more, more meaningful time together. Do you think you'll do you think you'll travel as much as you used to, or will you will you kind of have more of a hybrid now, or will you travel and still use digital to connect? Well, uh, you know, I I'm not one hundred percent sure. I believe that uh, it will not be all the same. Uh, I do expect uh, that I would travel this year and probably even more next year, but I, I don't believe we will come back to like the schedule we uh, used mm-hmm. to have. I think that majority of people and companies, which is relatively obvious, got so more comfortable with digital tools and it's so more, more efficient. So that's why I, I do, uh, but, but also in, in, on the other side of things, I, I heard uh, lots of stories. I have a few customers uh, in uh, Israel, for example, right now in Israel is kind of ahead of the curve with uh, vaccinations. 
And uh, what they told me is that now people are so hungry for events in person uh, activities. Right now, they are a little bit more open than the rest mm. of the world. And mm. there is a big flow of people go, going to the events and actually socializing because like everybody <laughs> sick and tired being at home and, and doing Zooms. And it might also it might almost be that the first people to to go and travel and have those relationships will really strengthen the relationships too. It's almost like people that were on video ten years ago had had a big advantage because now everyone's on video. But uh, interesting, that makes a lot of sense. Tell, give me. A, um, I want to go back and talk some about the the global and APAC and Indian stuff later. But can you just walk us through in layman's terms what Croatia or what Croatia does? <laughs> Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, look, we uh, I know that uh, Cameron, you're big on vision, so probably we'll start with our vision. Please. We we create a world where everyone can automate business ideas in minutes, right? And uh, I guess the primary idea here is that uh, with with technology being such a big driver of of growth, and you know, right now, almost every company needs to become a technology company. There is such a big demand for applications, for process automation, digital transformation, all this kind of fun stuff. Now, and we also see that there is a shortage of technical resources and developers who can uh, actually create those applications and automate those processes. So Croatia provides uh, what we call a low code, no code platform for uh, customer engagement and operational processes where you can literally people like you and I, without technical background, we can come in and create our own applications. We can create our own processes. We can automate them without a technical skill. And we are so passionate about that because if, if you look at, at the current market and the way how, and with the speed of the growth, uh, this will be, and we expect this to be not only us, but lots of analysts uh, out there, we expect this to be a next revolution because if, if uh, the uh, population of people that have development skills is so small, and if mm. we equip everyone, literally everyone, to go and, and create a technology, then we can we can end up in a much different world, much much uh, quicker world, and much more empowered, right? So that's why um, th that's what we do, and we specifically in this low code no no code space, we are focused on customer engagement and business process management automation, which is actually very close to operations and internal yeah. employee operations. That's kind of and on the CRM side, is it do you compete against Salesforce or are you completely different? Uh, you know, we we don't uh, like position ourselves as the head-to-head uh, -head competitor uh, to Salesforce. We do present in the number of like if you, for example, open up a Gartner quadrant for uh, sales automation, you'll find ourselves and Salesforce being in a leader quadrant. Uh, but usually, Croatia is kind of a wider tool where you want to automate multiple processes, including sales. And we are um, much better fit for process intense industries where there is no clear line between where sales ends and operations uh, start, right? And uh, Croatia is kind of a platform place that allows you to automate all those kind of interconnected use cases and processes. So it's the automation of processes as well then? Absolutely. So it's not the documentation like something like Process Street. It's more kind of a combination almost of that and Zapier, like in a... Yeah, yeah, and, and I'll give you an example. So yeah. let's take, let's take a, and I will give you a few examples from different industries. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Let's, let's take financial services and say uh, banks or credit unions, they would use our product for 
everything related to customer, like for example, customer onboarding, know your customer, all those kind of procedures. They would use it for ongoing consultations, across uh, and up sales. The system will pre-generate uh, like products or next best actions. And mm. we also can do marketing campaigns, but we can go even further stuff like account opening or credit card operations. All those processes can be interconnected. And we ended up giving to a branch relationship manager one single uh, interface and uh, multiple processes that allow, allow them to be much more successful. Uh, let's take a manufacturing space that's where we can do order fulfillment, product configuration, even supply chain processes combined with traditional commercial functions. And uh, because of the low code uh, capability, it's a very different kind of uh, feel to your traditional enterprise approach. You can come in and create those processes much better because for example, a COO or like another leader in kind of business line, they should be empowered and they know their process much better and they should be empowered to create this technology yeah. without actually going, going and hiring 10 different developers and wait six months until this pro that product is live. I got you. So now this is taking place of, of needing the engineering teams to build their own internal systems. You're kind of more yeah. plug and play. Yes, it's kind of uh, um, it of uh, stuff that is, is already available for your industry or for your function. And you can it's think about that as Lego blocks, right? You you go and create your application uh, without the need to engage a lot of technical resources. And actually, IT team loves it as well because now their backlog is is not not so overwhelming, and they can delegate certain stuff to their business people. Super cool. Okay, totally get it. Now it now it's all kind of lining up. All right, okay. Andy, how did you get involved in Croatia? Uh, You know, I have been with a company for. A Ever. lot of time. I, yeah, <laughs> you, you can you can see my career, and uh, when I talk, you know, I, I work a lot with um, agencies when we hire people, and they always like go and ch ch check out my background, and they come back to me and say, "Well, you are so so uh, unusual profile for the industry because specifically in our sp space, people just tend to change." Uh, jobs much, much uh, quicker. And I have been with a company for a lot of time. And I started, and, and another interesting caveat about my career specifically is that for me, it was always the first time job, right? I, I joined the company. My first role was account executive for SMB. My first deal was $300. Uh, and then in seven months from, from that time, I got to my first team leader position, then to uh, regional director, then to uh, um, VP of sales. And then I got global responsibility. And that's how it, it went. And I think that's one of the reasons why it went that well, because it was surrounded with uh, very smart people much smarter than, uh, than I am. And uh, they just inspired me, gave me that opportunity. And I decided just to, that if I have this time and I have this desire to grow, I, I would invest all that I have into growing and learning as quickly as I can. Amazing. How many people were in the company when you joined? Oh, 150, something like that. Okay, so it was a good size when you joined. How many are there now? Uh, 600 and growing, and we are adding more and more. So 150 people when you joined, 600 now, and you really excelled from a sales role into a director role, into a VP role, into a global role. Why, what do you think it was that, um, that had you excel? What was it that they, that they saw in you as a leader? Uh, 
I guess it's a combination. Uh, I think it's <laughs> it's less dependent on me. It's it's dependent on lo uh, lots of different factors. I think that uh, I was always like if, if if we talk about myself because I, I guess that's the question. Uh, I always like when I saw an opportunity, I was going all in and I was really investing a lot of energy and time into learning the skill or or. or kind of the field because I was super curious and because I saw that as, as a great uh, potential for the, for the growth. And if I didn't have that skill back in the time, uh, my approach was like, well, I then go and, and spend as much time as I can just to go and, and learn that. And I ended up probably like working 15 hours uh, a day, including weekends, just to uh, uh, bring myself up to speed with the knowledge and skills that I had. Uh, in the meantime, I think I, I was super lucky to, um, to be connected uh, with our CEO, who is a great mentor. She's an amazing uh, business person, amazing woman. And I, I think that she inspired me to, uh, to grow and learn a lot of things. Uh, and also um, industry itself, you know, software industry is very different from majority of other verticals. And this is a super growing space. And I think it presents lots of opportunities and each each new year actually brought more and more opportunities for, for mm. growth. And I also, my, my kind of thinking process was, why don't I just go and really invest into knowing the field I am, uh, I'm in, like business process management automation, CRM. And as I have been with the company for, for a while, then I, I just learned a lot of useful knowledge. Then, then I can reuse in my conversations with customers, with employees, with uh, partners. And as a good wine, with each, with every new year, I was becoming better, right? So, and that's why I didn't want to leave because I know that like in, in a new field, I would need to kind of learn all the stuff. But now, because I was investing into that knowledge, now now is the time for me to to, to, to shine and, and use that knowledge. So, are you a Bordeaux or a Burgundy? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which good, which, which good wine? <laughs> probably both, probably both. I'm not, I'm not I'm that sophi sophisticated in, in that space. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a good wine, but an unsophisticated wine. So yeah. you talked about learning and really focusing on learning your and getting skills that you didn't have naturally. What were some of those skills that you worked on? Uh, lots of those. I think that I um, I was investing a lot into um, if, if it, I structured it in the three major buckets. I structured those skills into uh, learning the domain and learning the field. Like in our space, we're talking about custom engagement. And this is a huge body of knowledge, you know? And uh, for example, Gartner defines like 24 uh, different quadrants in this space. And each, each quadrant is represented by hundreds of different vendors. And it, it's getting uh, even worse or better. I don't know um, which, which angle to take uh, because there's so, so much more specialization uh, in the space. And uh, connecting that with business problems and understanding different businesses. Like for example, you take a company that does waste management or a company that does pharmaceutical business. How would they use, how would they engage with customers and, um, and uh, learning there. Now, and also here is a technical aspect. I was also investing a lot into knowing how, how database is structured, how, like what, if you, if you make an integration, what kind of methods can be used? And lots of people were telling me why I was learning that. And, but, but I think my nature was just to, I, I wanted to understand it, how, how it really works. 
And then now, now it's actually it's helping me in my conversations with say CIOs or uh, technical people. So the second area was more related to like how do you scale uh, and lead uh, sales teams. And uh, this is probably the most interesting field, like how do you hire? Because if I count how many mistakes I made in, in, in hiring, like, oh my God, I can, I can open up a museum with, uh, with all my hiring mistakes. Um, and it's what was super complex field, right? Uh, how do you onboard? How do you enable? How do you empower people? How do you make sure that they are uh, successful? And, and how do you need to act as a leader? And how do you change that? Uh, because I saw, uh, Cameron, in your stories that uh, you, you took your company from 2 million to 100 million, right? In your role. And then you were talking about like changing environment, um, in the company, I think as we were experiencing hyper growth, I needed to catch up with that speed. And I and there is a great article called um, like published on Sester called like forty types of VP of sales. And when I read oh. it, when I read it, I was so inspired because that's actually my st my story explained because I, I I didn't know back in that time that when you are like when you are leading a smaller team there is one type of of VP of sales or like and, and when the team got much larger then your role completely changes and I can kind of like was was, was learning that intuitively wow so, so sales scalability is a big part I'm so passionate about that and that's where I invest a lot of time and then tactical things like how do we structure deals? How do we uh, run meetings? How do we uh, do one-on-ones? Like everything related to tactical aspect with a big focus on deal management because that's where like we compete against big boys and you mentioned some of our competitors. We want to make sure that our sales process and the way how we engage with customers is very different. The customers see value and our goal is to use our technology and empower them so that they can see, wow, I haven't heard about this technology, but it's awesome. And those people are awesome. Let me give it a try. It's amazing. I love that you broke down your learning or thought of your learning in three buckets and, and really kind of focused in on those. And I like that some of them were on your kind of executive functioning skills, right? Mm -hmm. And and then you even mentioned, I just launched a course called Invest in Your Leaders and it's 12 course modules and two of them you just rattled off. One, one of them is one-on-one -on -one meetings and I have a module on one-on-one -on -one meetings. Another one is running effective meetings. Another one on mm -hmm. interviewing. Um, and it's it's all the skills that most managers don't get strong at. But then I also love that you you kind of thought through, the you, you really wanted to learn about the industry. You wanted to learn about deal making. You want to learn about the VP sales roles. Like I don't think most people approach their their own learning that way. Do you do that with your employees as well? Are you focusing on growing them too? Uh, one hundred percent. I think that you, I can always get better with that. Uh, but I'm trying to. I'm I'm seeing my role uh, right now as um, a person who actually shows them a vision and helps them to define this role and and helps them to own their development with me, kind of doing like providing support and, and, and empowering them and inspiring them with, with lots of different examples. I think that there's so much information now that people like when, when they, when they hear about like personal development plan, uh, some people can get bored. Like, okay. another training, another session, but if you really put heart into that, and if you make it super personal, what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to listen to uh, my employees really understand them and try to kind of shift their vision towards, towards, becoming a better better themselves which also sounds like a cliche but i think there's so much more into it when you deeply listen invest your time into understanding your employees and then you 
come back to them with something that is super relevant, uh, I think it's, it's, there is a big energy and power in that, in that process. So I, yeah. would, I would love to learn about your one-on-one strategies and, and, and stuff that you just mentioned. It's interesting. I'm actually just doing a, I'm preparing a course that I have to speak at an event next week and I'm talking about all about growing our people. And if you grow your mm-hmm. people, they grow the brand. And um, I was scribbling down some notes from based on what you were saying that it, a lot of the learning with the PDP, if the person doesn't see the reason to grow, mm-hmm. they don't want to grow. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, it's like the seven-year-old in school. If they don't care, they're not going to learn. It doesn't matter how good the teacher is. The student has to want to learn. And if they want to learn about math because it's going to help them to understand soccer better, or if they understand math because it's going to help them be a better skier, or they understand math because it's going to help them, you know, trade baseball cards, whatever, they'll get excited about learning. And, and for our, our employees, they need to be excited for their own growth or to make their job easier or to make them more successful or to have them jump up in their career. Um yeah, and, and look, Cameron, I, I was watching one of your uh, TED Talks, I believe, or some other presentation when you mentioned about an experience of learning French. And then, uh, yeah. so that, and actually that resonated really well with me because um, sometimes people just miss out on an opportunity to learn and develop um, the stronger skills versus just going and invest time into things that you really it or you, you're not you're not really strong those are those are my words <laughs> those, those, those are the words and when, you, when i listen to that i was oh gosh and and uh, uh, that's one of my kind of takeaways i i invested a lot of time into stuff that i was not good at and i i would i, I was better off taking all this the time and energy and placing that into mm. more kind of value add uh, activity is that why is that why you really moved into the whole global role as well? Like are you good at the global and global relationships and and understanding people and deal making or what what is it that helps you excel in those in that area? Uh, you know, I don't have a very <laughs> concrete answer for you that uh, I think that we were growing very globally and I was the one who uh, uh, took the ownership over that and um, I, I always had a lot of interest into uh, growing kind of global organization and connecting different people, different cultures, and showing respect to their cultures. And then I also knew in the bottom of my heart that, well, if we are successful here in the US and we are selling our product and I see my customers being super successful with the technology, I want customers in the Middle East. I want customers in uh, Australia. I want customers in uh, every single kind of uh, country. And uh, w- why don't we go and just expand there? And uh, that's the, the approach. So that's why uh, I think when, when uh, the opportunity, like when we uh, made a decision, yes, we, we, we're going to uh, invest into additional regions. Uh, I, w- I was the one who wanted to, to take the lead. And now actually to expand on this topic, I really enjoy this part of, of my job because I think that you need to show empathy to different cultures in different countries and be very prepared. And when you're, for example, traveling to a country or you're uh, uh, meeting a customer with a specific culture, my approach is always to spend a lot of time understanding this culture, understanding what to say, what not to say, so that I can show respect and I can be like I will be treated as an outsider because I'm not coming from this kind of uh, country, but you can earn respect and you would be surprised uh, how much you can do with that. Because there are lots of experience, like lots of examples in my professional life when like when do after doing that kind of things, 
you, you, you can build so much better relationships. I was, I was going to ask you about that even before you mentioned it. I'm curious what some of your lessons have been in working globally with some of the different cultures or countries or regions. Can you, can you maybe give us two or three? Well, uh, I think that I, um, there are plenty of, I think you need to, um, to understand a uh, few things. I think that you need to understand uh, like the pace and the approach of for decision-making process. For example, here in the US, people tend to be uh, very quick with the, with decisions. And it's it, I was actually, when I first came here, I was amazed how, how quickly some <laughs> right. decisions have been, have been made. And I was like, where are the complications? Where are like, where, where all those tough stuff? And uh, there was not many of that. And in, in some countries or some areas of the world, you know, people are much slower. And if you tend to accelerate them and because you just use doing that, for example, in uh, the Americas region, you will be, you will get, uh, you will hit the wall very quickly yeah, yeah. because people don't want to be pushed and people w- w- want to, 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 you want to complement their process, but you, you don't want to uh, change it. And so that's what I've learned. Uh, understanding how to be nimble and agile and also how to connect their journey with, with uh, what you can do on your side. Uh, second big, big part, I think I got much better in relation to relationships between different countries and, and, you know, you, and just overall knowledge of uh, different geographies and cultures. I, I invested into that. I think I was spending at least two hours on my Sundays learning about history or, and, and uh, different countries so that I, I, I can better understand them and better understand the uh, backgrounds. Uh, but uh, in the end of the day, you know, I think there are much more similarities than differences. Mm-hmm. And also when it comes to value, I think that customers that use in our system, for example, in uh, uh, Sweden or in, um, uh, in, in Colombia or in uh, Singapore, they receive kind of similar value uh, they might be organizationally a different stage of maturity. And that's why we are working with the customers to, uh, to help them to ev- evaluate their maturity level. Because lots of customers that think about like technology being like a, a solution for all the issues. Well, it could be, but of course you need to align that with your operational and process maturity. And we are helping our customers to understand that's where you stand now. That's what you need to do. Those kind of processes you can automate now but that's what you can do in the future. But don't boil the ocean, start with something simple. How about culturally? How are, how are some of the cultures different inside of their companies? Like I know that in Thailand, <laughs> as an example, you would never criticize your boss, you know, that, that yeah. you, um, or in, in India, it's hard to fire people. Or mm-hmm. have you noticed any differences there? Like in, in Germany, they're much more precise or Switzerland, much more precise. They're, they're, have you noticed anything different? Uh, yes, of course. So I, um, I, I can, <laughs> yeah, there's so many different examples like of my, for example, my first visit to the Middle East was, uh, was kind of full of learnings and my first meetings with, uh, or for example, some, some, some in, in some countries, there's actually a really good metric that I uh, saw the other day that shows like uh, different kind of uh, cultures and nationalities and how they behave in a business settings, like level of directness, uh, directness and then like speed of making decisions or something like that. So for example, if you are selling to some countries where people are super direct for somebody who is not used to that, they, this can uh, come out as a kind of an aggression and you can get offended if you're not, or even insulted if you're not prepared for that and vice versa. If you try to be very kind of engaging and uh, aggressive with some Asian regions, this will not go well. 
And that's why I think there are, my, my rules are quite simple. First, mm-hmm. I try to, I always try to learn before I, I, I do something. And, and also as I'm starting the meeting, I'm trying to be like quite neutral. And then I expand into, I, I, I see the culture. I see the way how a customer wow. interacts. And I, and I build up on that. You almost start in the center and then kind of migrate into it. But you definitely do your research. It's, in, it's incredible listening to how you've researched about countries and how you've researched about cultures and how you've researched about me and the podcast and, and worked on your training. That has to be probably your biggest skill or one of. Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I, what I, you know, I, I had lots of... Um, conversations or meeting when I was not prepared uh, or, or, or that could go much better if I if I would do my homework and that's kind of a hard lesson I've learned so that's why if I'm doing something I think that and that's why when I work with you mentioned about like uh, empowering people and, and helping them to develop I'm trying to find this right balance between being spontaneous and being comfortable and nimble but also having um, enough of rehearsals and having enough of dry runs until you go and say, uh, do something. Like for example, you're talking about one-on-ones and I'm coaching some uh, younger leaders and managers in the team and they need to have like their first one-on-one conversations with the employee might be nervous, right? How, how, how do you go about it? You go and role play and you go and rehearse and you know what? You, you probably will get a much better result in that. Is, has learning always been easy for you? Uh, in some aspects, yes. In some, uh, not. So, for example, I was really, I was not the brightest in school, uh, to be honest with you. But then uh, when I came to, and I was not very strong at math, I pushed myself right now because, you know, it's in a digital world. Uh, you have to understand numbers. You have to be super comfortable with numbers. Uh, but, for example, I would go and get some awards on literature and I was writing really good poems and all those kind of things, but math was never my strong thing. But when I, uh, my, my first degree in, is in psychology, I um, entered the uh, university and I was so fascinated with, with this uh, kind of field. Uh, and then I became uh, pretty good um, in school. So that's why I think it's just like, yeah. very depends on like what, what subject this. Where, where have you struggled in your career, Andy, like in, in this rise that you've had in Croatia, where have you um, struggled? Where have you had to really work the hardest? Well, you know, I think my, my biggest struggle, and that's why like uh, um, something that is super important because right now we, as I indicated to you, Cameron, uh, we are now in a, such an incredible spot with uh, our technology being, being so demanded and with people actually being focused on that. And my biggest struggle is when I go to bed at night, I'm thinking like, what, what is the stuff I haven't done today? Like there are so many things. Like when I look at my um, teams and processes, I see like 20, 50 things that we can do better and we can improve and we can implement. And when I and think my anxiety is coming from the fact that I haven't implemented them. And I like, we're starting a new day and we haven't done that. We have been talking about that for a couple of months and we haven't done it. And, and this like really frustrates me. And then the second aspect is when you, uh, when you, when you invest into something and you're doing this and you're developing, I think that you always will hit the wall. You always will, you, you always will fail. And I think you need to be prepared and you need to be like ready to have a strategy of what you're going to do if you fail. And that's another hard learning that I, uh, I had. Like every time when I think about some critical uh, event or something that is really important from like hiring perspective or organizational design perspective or deal management, whatever, I always think about 
what will happen if they like everything is good when it goes according to the plan but yeah. what, what what if not what what is, what is my plan b what is the worst situation that could happen and uh, how am, am i prepared to uh to approach it you mentioned hiring mistakes a little bit ago what was it that um that had the hiring mistakes happening what, what mistakes did you make oh my god <laughs> all sorts of them I, I think that you know uh but but I think I'm 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 getting better. It it just inventable. If you hire a lot of people and you grow a team and you do that in different geographies, it just it's 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 not an easy job. And uh, I, I like this quote about um, it was uh, Mr. Welsh who said that you know in the beginning of of career I I I don't want to misquote him, but like in the end of his career he was doing like 50 50 percent of the efficiency and that considered to be a really good result. Like every second hire was was a success. Um, and that's why I think that uh, for me, uh, I had a number of kind of occasions when I needed to learn. When I came here uh, to, to, to the US, I needed to learn how, like, how, how to conduct interviews in this country because experience was different. When I started to build our team in England, it also was a different, different experience. And uh, let's face it, Cameron, hiring salespeople is super difficult because they are trained to, to sell them yeah. themselves and say like, it's like, and uh, getting, get, getting through that kind of uh, initial fog and trying to get, get in. And, and another important piece, you know, uh, somebody who can be extremely, again, an obvious statement, but I wanted to emphasize on that because it's so relevant. Uh, you, you can find somebody who is widely successful in one spot and you put them into another environment and it's a complete failure and understanding what kind of configuration of the skills and, 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 and equalities and traits you're looking for is super important. For example, I now have, I'm hiring um, a, a regional director and as a VP into one region and my scorecard has 70 items. So I score my candidates against 70 items and each of them has a very detailed kind of statement and the detailed questions that I'm asking. And after that, I'm pretty confident that I've collected enough of data uh, to make a decision. But as I was doing my initial interviews, I didn't have tight um, a scorecard. I didn't have enough of experience and I was like buying stuff I shouldn't buy. And that's kind of, but, but I, I guess it's, it's, it's learning. Uh, it's learning. Yes. Did, um, what do you, what do you look for? Are there the top, what are the top two or three things you're looking for on people in sales and maybe start at, at different levels, like at the, the kind of entry level sales to more like global sales. Are there different skill sets that you're looking for? There have to yes, be. Uh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, I guess if we break it down into uh, competences, uh, I also will give you three, <laughs> three categories. So we look at the, uh, I think the cultural fit is super important. You want to be uh, surrounded with the right people. And here at Croatia, we, we are always uh, trying, to, trying to level up and raise the bar. And uh, I, I taught myself uh, not to hire people that I'm not excited about. And I, I, when we are bringing them, they should increase the capacity of the team, right? So they, they shouldn't be on the same level, they should be increasing. It's a very difficult exercise specifically for our HR team and, and our hiring partners because we are a very demanding customer. But we, to, to build a great company, I think that you, you, you have to do that. You have to accept the challenge. Uh, and then, so, and then um, coming back to my point, cultural alignment and cultural fit is very important. I think we have a clear picture who we are as a company, as a personality, like what kind of qualities we enjoy and what uh, what kind of traits probably are not 
um, uh, not a good fit for us. And I think that having that uh, been super clear always helps. Uh, secondly, there are a number of uh, professional competencies. If you like, we want salespeople that uh, inspire uh, our customers. We want, we want people that can challenge their status quo and, and have intelligent conversation, for example, with COO. So that conversation will, will lead to number of insights, right? And to have that conversation, you have to have a certain amount of skills how do you structure a discovery call? How do you work on a solution? How do you package up that solution? How do you work with your pre-sales team so that the customer sees their process in action on mm. the first demo and actually can engage with that product on that stage? And then also, do you understand the industry? Do you understand how, uh, how like what is going on in, in this space? If I will put you in a, on a call with, say, COO of this uh, company, uh, what would you tell them and why? And how, how would you get them excited? So, the, and it's, it's a well thought process. And I think that as we move on, we keep enhancing it to make sure that every uh, next month we produce even a better and more accurate result. Amazing. What are your, what are your leadership team meetings? What are the normal meetings that your leadership team has? I imagine you have a few different types for different things, but can you, can you give us kind of your normal meeting rhythms that you may have as a leadership team? Um, I mean, like us, our executive team, when I, I'm an, at ND and I talk to my peers or your, my, my meetings with my teams? No, with your the executive team. Okay, so we have a number of those. So we have a, a weekly uh, cadence and uh, on a weekly basis, we actually, we are, we, are, we are a big user of our, our own technology to a point that we are actually obsessed with using our technology. So all the data in the system and we have this rules that you always look certain dashboards and certain information beforehand. So you, when you go to a meeting, you like everybody's aligned and on the same page on, on the data. And then there is a cadence on the uh, key, key indicators that define success of our business, right? So, uh, and uh, each area um, uh, represents their own um, performance indicators. For example, in sales, we are super focused on uh, uh, error bookings, right? So um, uh, the contracts that we are signing and the uh, uh, expansions of the existing customers. Now, when we uh, talk about customer success, we are looking at the NPS score. Uh, are we having super happy customers? Uh, if they're not, like if, if you have a complaint, why it's about, right? So that we are uh, very focused on uh, making sure that our customers are really b- uh, big fans of, of creation technology. And there are lots of additional operational metrics, channel updates, and there are lots of stuff. So we, we have a cadence and we go through each, each metric. And I think there is a big uh, strength of doing that on a weekly basis because everybody's super aligned and everybody, like if we have a problem, we, we see that problem early on in the process and we all as a leadership team can jump in and try to, um, to address it. Um, and also we have some additional kind of alignment updates. For example, I lead our sales enablement function and we produce a lot of different assets. So we, we create vertical materials, we create lots of uh, materials to help our sales team to be self-sufficient and go and be, be much more efficient in the field. So what I do, I spend some time just showing to the executive team what we have to make sure that those uh, assets are being utilized by all the teams, right? For example, if we, have, if we are talking with a customer at early stages about those particular use cases and processes, we need our customer success team to know about that. We need yeah. our channel team and our partners to know about that as well. Makes sense. I, and I like the fact that you're actually reinforcing to make sure that the tools are used. I find so often companies build all the tools and then we don't use them and we're all building more tools. 
Yeah. All right. No, let's go. That, go ahead. Yeah, that's a benefit. Uh, and I also wanted to mention that um, uh, just to complete um, the the uh, answer for the question. So uh, also we have more kind of executive brainstorming sessions and more vision driven uh, driven discussions, which also not super uh, unusual, but also I think that our CEO does an incredible job setting up the vision and actually coming up with the questions that always challenge us. And always like we, we, we always have those very uh, interesting and, and, and uh, thought-provoking debates about uh, about topics. And what I also enjoy about um, Croatia that every, each new year the vision is getting so much more clear than the, the the questions. Like we're discussing questions that are kind of surrounding the vision, not like questions related to who we are as a company, what what, what we want to do. I think that those questions are all answered, and we have a, so, such a clear direction about the growth, about the uh, values that we're bringing to the community, and now all the questions are how quickly we can, can, can get there. It's amazing. You guys, it's, it's, it's no surprise that you're growing as fast as you're growing and as successfully as you're growing. Um, I, I was going to ask you a question to kind of wrap things up, but I just thought of something else. You guys just raised some money back uh, uh-huh. a couple months ago. How has that changed the company? Uh, and you, you raised a fair amount of money. Uh, yes, Cameron, we, we did. Uh, so it's also important to understand that uh, uh, till the previous February, uh, till the, till the February, February, we we were bootstrapped, right? And I think that uh, th- that helped us to. Uh, we, we, we were a very successful company and we never acquired external capital. And I think that helped us to have to build a really good discipline about yeah. how we manage, ma- manage the company and also and, and, and helped us to build a very strong team. Uh, and in regards to this, uh, we, we, we had and we have a very clear vision on how we want to invest um, the amount. Uh, it will be divided into several areas. The first one is a product vision. We are product first company and we we are so proud of the product we've built, and that has been included into number, n- numerous of um, uh, Forrester and Gartner reports and others. But we still we see how much stuff we can do on top of that, and we are so inspired with that. And you know, uh, when um, just to give you an example, we had this uh, offsite session, and our product team was showing us uh, this new kind of concept of the product, and I I did a mistake. I, I stood up and I said, "Well, if that's the product I'm gonna sell." You can uh, raise my uh, raise my quota by ten percent or, or or more, and my CEO caught me on that, and I got got increase of my of my sales target. But I was so inspired and and I was so fascinated about the technology and the speed of development and the Amazing. stuff that we're bringing to the customers that uh, I actually couldn't couldn't resist. Um, so product development is a big 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 piece. Secondly, we're a very channel driven company. We I'm talking about this um, global expansion. It was not possible without really dedicated partners and channel communities as we have, we want to support and we want to grow our uh, channel community and empower and engage them and uh, help them to achieve even more with us. And and finally, of course, we will be growing sales teams. We will be growing our brand. We will be investing into, like we, uh, we, we want, everyone to know about um, about Croatia because I know that if like for example we are now being listened by lots of CEOs I know that if they have an idea about process automation and a specific kind of application they want to build and they, if they talk to us uh, they will be fascinated with what we can bring to the table so yeah. that's why we want to be to be heard and we want to invest more time into like creating this link you have a problem of business process management automation uh, and customer engagement Croatia is a great fit 
I'm really excited to watch you guys grow. I mean, you didn't even mention the number, but you raised $68 million and you were bootstrapped until now. So that's pretty extraordinary to, to do that kind of a raise to, to, and I think what's beautiful is you built a 600 person company by bootstrapping it, which means you're well run, you're well managed. There's no waste. You're, you've, you've built a really strong, efficient company and now you're going to fuel it. It's going to be really, really cool to watch. All right, let's go back to the 22 year old Andy. What, what advice would you give yourself when you were just starting out in your career? <laughs> well, uh, I would, I would um, uh, give myself self, uh, a few advices. So the first one would be, uh, look, um, it's an incredible world world and, uh, like if you work hard and if you believe in what you do, you would be amazed and surprised uh, what you could achieve, right? If you just really put your heart into that. And I think that not seeing boundaries and not seeing kind of limitations is so important. Uh, and uh, another advice I would give is to always like, you know, there's so much uh, buzz going on and with each year we're getting more and more of that stuff. But if you Focus on the, if you, if you define the right priorities, I love this book, One Thing, because I think it, it, it's a very strong concept. When you define what is really important for a business, those are two metrics or two things you really need to be focused on and you go and, and engage and you, and you deliver, then you will, you will be in your place much quicker. I think that I would give those two uh, advisors. And uh, I also like, but, but I also would, would give lots of tactical ones about certain decisions or certain things that I would do differently. Well, I, I'm, I'm not surprised you've got good ones because you're such a strong learner. Andy Dovgan, the VP for global sales for Creatio. Thank you so much for spending time with us today on the Second Command podcast. Thank you so much, Cameron, for having me. It was a pleasure. You've been listening to Second in Command, brought to you by COO Alliance founder, Cameron Harold. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe. For more best practices from industry-leading COOs, visit COOalliance.com.